Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Condon, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? Good, good. Good to be back, Sam. Good to be back. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Been an eventful couple weeks for UCLA. Non-conference schedule just wrapped up. And for the first time, I think since 2015, UCLA is undefeated in non-conference play which is a, a definitely a milestone but there's a lot more to break down than just the the three and0 record so we'll break that all down for you um in terms of what else is going on I know UCLA men's basketball just started practice I think on Thursday uh, I was able to talk to Mick Cronin about a week ago um about the the new faces injuries so we can go through that a little bit towards the end of the show, but it'll mostly be football today. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it is kind of funny how quickly basketball is creeping up. Football just started. We're just heading into the thick of the season and, and basketball is what regular season, two months away, less than two months away. Mm-hmm. I think it's 50 days today that, that I saw actually. So um, mm-hmm. make sure to be keeping an eye out for that too. But if you enjoy listening to this show, make sure you, like subscribe notifications all that fun stuff on spotify google podcast apple amazon wherever you're listening we appreciate it and thank you bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news from every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to props and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So with that all out of the way, let's get into the UCLA football conversation. Travis Bruins took on South Alabama on Saturday. They narrowly escaped with a 32 31 win. Uh, they were down I think 17 to six. And then was it 31 to, to 23? Um, it, it was not the prettiest game. I, I think we can say <laughs> there were UCLA in the, in the first two weeks. They beat Bowling Green. It was 42, sorry, 45 to 17. Um, and that was pretty, pretty clear victory, even if the first quarter was ugly. Second game against Alabama State. Yeah, pass defense wasn't perfect in the first half, but overall it was pretty dominant. It was 45 to 7. So mm-hmm. you can you can nitpick all you want, and we've all done our fair share of it over the past few weeks, but those are two pretty clear victories. This was not that. South Alabama was a much better team coming in. We knew that. We knew it would be a closer game. I think the the line for the Alabama State game was almost 50 points, and the line for this game was 16 points. Mm -hmm. So, again, we knew it was going to be a much more competitive game. It was a Sunbelt team. Sunbelt in week two, they they had Marshall beat Notre Dame. 
at Appalachian State, beat Texas A&M. Georgia Southern beat Nebraska. And that, that Clay, Hilton, Clay Hilton, Clay Hilton, Clay Hilton Clay got Scott Frost fired. That was fun, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, we we knew the Sun Belt was was riding high, and uh, South Alabama was a much better team than the first two that UCLA faced. But even that was a, a little shocking. You, you don't you don't like to see that, uh, Travis. I know you you were watching. You watched the, these three non conference games and. Things kind of started to slip away in this last one. Even though they came out with the win, what were your general takeaways? Well, look, we all expected them to win the game. So they won it, right? But, like, there's mm-hmm. a way to win the game. It's a standard, right? I mean, look at Alabama. Look, look at Georgia, right? They are the number one team in the country, and they allowed one touchdown, one touchdown in three games, and they acted like they lost the game. It's a standard. <laughs> you know, like that they have because they're looking to play championship football. But UCLA, sometimes you just don't know what to expect. I mean, like I said, they have talent, but it's, it's I mean, as good as South Alabama was, right? There's no way, there is no way you're down 17 to six and basically should have lost the game. If they would have just kicked the field goal, you know, and like not saying that UCLA couldn't have drove down to score the touchdown, but you know they got saved. You know, and uh, I think you know they lean heavily, heavily on the running back and the quarterback, heavily. Like if say say you know Thompson got hurt or the running back got hurt, they would be in trouble because mm-hmm. they lean heavily on those two. And don't get me wrong, they have talent on the outside, you know, talented, but and other stuff. But I just, you know, with them, it was like, you know, it, I don't know. It feel like it's a like a two man team, <laughs> like, <laughs> and everybody kind of gets their role in, you know, uh, gets their role in the situation. But yeah, and, and that's um, that's definitely tough when Zach Charbonnet didn't look to be completely healthy. It's not that he was playing poorly when he was out there. I, I think he ended up getting uh i don't know what it was um it was a, a 129 uh total yards that's receiving and rushing mm-hmm. so he was he still had that big play ability he had that 45 sorry the 44 yard catch um and, and he was good but especially in that fourth quarter we saw a lot of keegan jones and when you're talking about how much they're relying on their top two guys dtr uh he, he played a good game i think he started off a little spotty and then there was a stretch where he had 10 of 11 completions with two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And from that on, mm-hmm. from that point on, he, he, he was consistent. He was good. He did what he needed to do. made the plays, found his guys on third down, played really well, but Charbonnet towards the end of the game, wasn't really seeing the field that much that led to more Keegan Jones snaps more Keegan Jones carries. And I don't know, Travis, I don't love that. Keegan Jones <laughs> is, is he's fast and he's, he's not right, Charbonnet. But... He's not Charbonnet. He's not him. No, he's no, not. no. And it, the, the tough thing is you look at, his play style and you're like oh he's a speed back he's a big play guy he's really not like he <laughs> sometimes he'll make a, a decent play he had that that really big run uh, i think it went for 20 yards or whatever it was um i think it was 25 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he had that spin move right past the line of scrimmage and, and that was a great run keen jones is not a bad player no. but i mean 4.6 yards per carry against south alabama I think he came into the year with 
three point something yards per carry for his career. He just, I, I, I don't love him as a, as a second running back in what's supposed to be a two back system. You had mm-hmm. a couple of years ago it was Joshua Kelly and Demetric Felton, and then it was Demetric Felton and Britton Brown. Last year it was Zach Char- uh, Charbonnet and Britton Brown, and this year it's Zach Charbonnet and I guess Keegan Jones. So <laughs> last year when Britton Brown got banged up and couldn't take on the full load. Zach Charbonnet could take on a little more. That's okay. They could give and take, and, and that's great. But Keegan Jones, and, and down the stretch of this game, I just, it, it was not great. I, I don't love that combination. I liked in, in week two, all those running backs who were getting time. It was TJ Harden, the true freshman from Inglewood, looked really good. Mm-hmm. Colson Yankoff, who transferred from Washington as a quarterback, and then moved to receiver and got hurt and now moved to running back. He looked really good. Deshaun Morrell, red trip freshman from Al- like Alabama. Uh, he looked really good. And uh, uh, Christian Grubb, former track star, looked really good. And I think TJ Harden was out. So mm-hmm. I, I understand why he wasn't playing, but I don't know. None of those guys got touches. <laughs> it was literally the only running backs that got touches were uh, Charbonnet and Keegan Jones. So right, right. I, Keegan Jones is an RB2. I don't love it. it it's, I think he's already a red shirt junior. And he's really fast. There's a way to use him efficiently in this offense, but he can't be Britton Brown. You need a Britton Brown. And I, I would like for that to be TJ Harden. I'd like that for that to be Deshaun Morrell. But I, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's Keegan Jones. And that kind of made their offense a little stagnant once they got into South Alabama territory, which is why they had to settle for so many field goals. No, look, I think that he's a change of pace back, and it's hard to run a change of pace back in the, you know, in the trenches. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason why he is a change of pace back. Um, obviously, Chardonnay is the number one back, but the, the change of pace kind of thing, um, you need to use him on, like, jet sweeps and, like, getting them outside and maybe screen passes and bubble, bubble, you know, those kind of things. Because you can't run – you can't run people the way you think they should run. You should run them that's best – that can utilize their talents. And uh, right now, I don't think that uh, he's getting utilized the way he should, you know? Uh, Cause yeah. I'm like, cause I'm like, if he can't, you know, bust open big runs against South Alabama, how the heck are you going to do it against uh, Oregon or Washington or SC or whatever, you know? Yeah. You know, like I, I, just look at, looking at his stats, he, he's got for his career that, that includes this year now, uh, 3.7 yards per carry for his career. I just, I, I don't, I don't trust that. I don't believe in that. It's 4.1 this year. So slightly better than his career average, but still not, not great. But then you look at, he has 11 catches in his career for 146 yards. That's 13.3 yards per reception and two touchdowns on 11 catches. So mm-hmm. use him as a receiving back. He's yeah. a very, very good receiving back. And he, he's proved that just this season. Yeah. So I, I, I remember in 2020 when they need to convert that fourth down to to hold off SC's comeback. Uh, and, and they handed it to Keegan Jones uh, for on a one-yard run, and he got stuffed. So it, it, it all goes back to that, where I just <laughs> not the guy I trust to go between blockers up, up the middle. Yeah, not between the tackles. I, not between the tackles. No, no, no. Yeah, like you said, jet sweeps, uh, wheel routes. Some mm-hmm. creative stuff, stuff you used to do with Kaz Allen when he was more of a running back. And now Kaz Allen's a receiver. 
who's going to be your Kaz Allen in the backfield, make it Keegan Jones and then find another true RB2, your Britton Brown type. So um, that that's that's a problem that that, that should be fixed, I hope, uh, once TJ Harden gets back, if they believe in him moving forward. Um, but speaking of the running game, that offensive line did not look great. I know DTR didn't, didn't get sacked, but I think he had maybe another two or three throwaways. He's he's had to throw it away a bunch this year already. <laughs> uh, he, he's been it, maybe not so much this past Saturday, but he's been running around a lot. Oh yeah. Um, and, and he's always had to do that, and he's gotten better at throwing it away and not fumbling, and, and he's gotten better at that. But it's still like, geez, man, you're playing South Alabama, Alabama State, and Bowling Green, and he's still getting pressured like that. <laughs> like, well, like, like, like you said, what happens when they play Utah and Washington? What do yeah. come on? Yeah. And like I said, I, like, I watched the game when they played, I know it was the first game of the season. I was there when they played Bowling Green. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He was running around for dear life. That game first play the game. He, he went for a pass sack fumble. Um, you know, he was like the reason why he ran for that, I think it was the 75 yard run or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, 67 he, or something. Yeah, yeah, 67. Yeah. Like he was running for his life and he had to get out. And he <laughs> and had like, to get out and yeah. eventually he ran out. Taking this all back to the beginning, you're like how you, you were saying how reliant they are on Charbonnet and DTR. And there you go. It, they The other guys can mess <laughs> up. And those two guys are athletic and dynamic enough that they can get these big touchdowns and big plays, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there you go. That's the story of this team. I, I think. Yeah some some positives on offense once you look past the backup running back spot and the offensive line issues um the receiving options look pretty solid um kaz allen in that first week had what 10 catches he's he's kind of slowed down these past two weeks but i trust him as someone who can get a lot of targets play it in a lot of different positions lining up wide in the slot and backfield uh sweeps end rounds whatever uh pre-snap motion he's creative and dynamic and athletic and fast. And I like how, how they've been using him this year. Uh, Jake Bobo finally broke out with a touchdown 89 yards on Saturday. Titus Mokiao Timalala uh, from, from UCF. He pretty much helped them win the game. He had like a 40 yard catch on that last drive when they were down by two and needed a field goal. And he followed that up with a nine yard catch. Mm-hmm. And then they were in field goal range and ran ran a few more times. And that was that. So he came through in the clutch. Logan Loya, who was always seen as kind of like, can he be a Kyle Phillips replacement? Can he be the next Kyle Phillips? Can he be that next slot guy? He had a touchdown. He got a few catches on Saturday. Uh, Cam Brown, who would miss the first two games with injury, uh, Texas A&M transfer from last year, uh, he had a touchdown. He he was pretty good there. Uh, he, he drew a PI call that got them a first down. He was getting targets. So DTR is has Kaz Allen, Jake Bobo, Cam Brown, Logan Loya. Uh, Hudson Havermel, Michael Aziki, Keegan Jones, Zach Charbonnet. He's got a lot of options to throw to, and, and that makes him more unpredictable for opposing defensive coordinators. I think that's really good. And each of those guys have shown flashes and have shown they can fill their role really well, really well. And other guys have shown they can fill multiple roles well. And, and that's something that I think can only help this offense. Well, definitely. I think he does have a lot of weapons. And I think um you know, we just got to utilize, like I said, utilize the weapons more to keep teams off balance. Um, you know, like you, so they can't hone in on certain certain players. <clears throat> I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see now 
because we talked about it already um, about they're going to win a lot of games. You know, we said that they should win minimum eight to 10 games because of their schedule. Now they just won other games that they're supposed to win at home, 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 all victories. And now it's time for them to step up in a weight class, you know, start playing in the Pac-12, which I want to say the Pac-12 is a lot better than what people are thinking this year, a lot better. Yeah, I, I think we, we can. Me. Yeah, we can get to that after we finish breaking down this game about yeah. kind of adjusted expectations and how they're looking going into Pac-12 play because that's definitely something that, like you said, has shifted a lot over these past few weeks. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, so that that is going to be interesting. And now, the question for you: How many yeah. games do you think UCLA has the win for them to get ranked? They're already, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I was looking at the. Three. I was looking at the FPI, the, the football power index on ESPN, which isn't a poll or anything. Uh, I, I think they said after they beat Bowling Green, they were 35. And then after they beat Alabama State, they dropped to 45. <laughs> and then after Saturday's win over uh, South Alabama, they dropped to 46. So it's just the strength of schedule, strength of opponent, the how they're looking, how they're beating them that – the analytics and the computers don't like, and I mean, they didn't get a single vote in the AP poll. So I don't think that the national pundits like it either. So yeah, yeah. when you look at the schedule, Colorado's the worst the power worst five team, team. Yeah, and yeah. it might be a top five or a bottom five team general in the F like overall in the FBS power mm-hmm. five or group of five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they start four and and they beat Colorado, I don't know, maybe someone will throw them a, Pity 25th place vote, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're definitely not going to be ranked. They play Washington after that, and if they're 5-0, and having just beaten a Washington team that's ranked, they will absolutely get votes and maybe, maybe break into the top 25. And then there's the Utah game and the Oregon game, and then that's a real gauntlet. The, the better they do in that, the better they have the chance of getting ranked. But until they hit that, I mean, it's the literally the easiest non-conference schedule they have ever played. The easiest in the country. <laughs> and they're starting conference play with the easiest possible conference game by a Power 5 team. So in the FPI, uh, yeah, in the FPI on ESPN, I think the only undefeated Power 5 teams that are below them are like Kansas, Duke, Indiana, like all these teams are like, oh, yeah, the record doesn't mean anything. They're going to lose a bunch of the games this year anyways. The computers <laughs> are kind of putting UCLA in that category. So we'll see how it goes. But I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let, let's switch to the other side of the ball. We talked about UCLA's offense and the, the pros and cons there. Let's talk about the defense, Travis, because I know they only gave up 31 points. But I mean, yikes, they forced two punts all day and one of those was at the end of the first half when they were trying to bleed clock and got to midfield i was whatever so uh, if you take that out they forced one punt i'll give them the two they forced two punts all day against south alabama that's not great at all i know their quarterback was transferred from toledo um he, he'd been having a really good season so far this was his worst game of the year so they they did that um but those receivers were tearing them up um and that that running back 
um, uh, Ladanian Webb, who I think started at Florida State, bounced around was at uh, community college, junior college, or something. Um, he was just barely getting touched by the defensive line until he got like multiple yards past the line of scrimmage. So 124 yards on 16 carries for him, 7.8 yards per carry. Their next running back had 29 yards on four on five carries. That's 5.8 per carry. And then they had another guy who punched in two from the one yard line. Those three running backs just absolutely tore them up. And, and <laughs> that's really, really concerning. The, 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 the quarterback uh, Bradley, who's, who's Gus Bradley's son, the old Jaguars coach, and uh, he did all right. He had, he had that early interception, and then that was nice on John John Vons for picking that off. But he was finding receivers on those quick passes so easily. There was a cushion, and he just hit like a, a little bubble screen, a quick slant. He was getting the ball out of his hands fast and capitalizing on a UCLA defense that didn't adjust. So. You had a running back that got everything you wanted, a quarterback that got everything you wanted outside of a one or two little mishaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. it was really ugly, and they're lucky they only gave up thirty one points because they were getting just thrown run all over. It was, that that was tough. That was rough to watch. The the no. secondary and that that defensive line have got to fix a lot of things even before they play Colorado. Even though they'll beat Colorado. They've got a lot of things to fix before they actually get into the thick of this Pac-12 schedule. Yep. No, I agree with you 100%. You know what the, the last game reminded me of? Uh, Fresno State. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Fresno State, like, kind of just carved them up. And, like, you know, and it, it, it bit them in the butt. You know, even though they scored a lot, they gave up a lot, and Fresno State ended up beating them. It's just that this time, this team wasn't as smart and they, and they, you know, and yeah, South Alabama wasn't as smart, and then you said they ended up beating them. But it's just that they, the defense needs to show up, you know, because like you said, like they're about to hit the gauntlet, you know, because like it's, it's weird because SC plays none of those teams. UCLA plays Washington. UCLA plays Oregon, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. obviously UCLA plays SC. And so, and UCLA plays Utah. So, they're going to have to shore up that defense um, really fast. Now, like you said, they'll beat Colorado. But let's just say you're 4-0 going into the game against Washington. And, you know, like Washington does what they did to Michigan State. Just thrash them, you know. I just Michael Penix, is, he, he's for real. He can throw all over. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's easily the best yeah. quarterback that you will have played this year if you're UCLA. Yeah. Yeah, so they they like I said, we talked about it playing to a standard. They gotta they gotta do better because they know what's coming down the pike. They know in the next couple of weeks, after this week, uh it's some serious competition coming. So they better get ready. Um and like I said, like they have to show up their line. It's always weird how colleges they go for speed now, like as far as defensive line linebackers. But if a team wants to run down your throat, like like obviously South Alabama did, you know, 16, he had just 16 carries for 124 yards. Imagine if they gave him 30 carries, you know, <laughs> yeah, or, or 25 or whatever, you know, they gave him 16 and everybody averaged over five point yards, you know, five point, whatever, you know, yards of carry. So, you know, like you, you have a lot of great running teams in the, in the, in the, in the pack 12, you got Oregon is a great, a great running team. 
SC has great backs. You know, Washington has decent backs. You know, like the Utah, you know, like they always usually have yeah. great backs. Yeah, I, th- I think, did USC have two guys go for 100 this week yes. against Fresno State? Yeah, oh my God. they did. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's hey, everyone's boom, boom, just scared boom. about about Caleb Williams. Imagine what what Travis Dye and uh, uh who's the kid from Stanford? Uh, Austin uh, was it Austin Jones? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. oh my god, they're gonna eat you alive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. These are both and, and, and Caleb Williams is also gonna eat you alive. Yeah. But <laughs> they, they, they these are NFL running backs. Period. You know, like both of them are NFL running backs. So I think that you know, what I'm saying the defensive line especially is gonna have to shore up that. Um. Because the best way to slow down a high power offense like UCLA is keep them on the sideline, run the yep. ball. And if they're getting gashed, you know, 10, 15 yards, seven, eight, five, six, whatever it is, a, a clip, guess what that, guess what, you know, the offense is on the bench. And you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, what adjustments the defense makes in the next coming weeks. Yeah. I think the, the biggest concerns, I had for UCLA's defense. Number one, South Alabama was nine of 13, I think it was, on third downs. And that was before that last drive where they got the stop and then the fake field goal and everything. So they, before that, they were nine of 12 on third down in South Alabama. Come on. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And then you look at, you had zero sacks. Your pass rush isn't doing anything. It's not doing when it's a four-man rush. It's not doing it when you're bringing an extra blitzer because they're getting rid of the ball fast enough because your corners are, are playing off and you're letting them get those catches at the line of scrimmage and taking the wide receiver blocker and, and running up another eight yards. Mm-hmm. So you can't rush the passer, passer. You can't get stops on third down. They had one tackle for loss in the entire game, and that was on the – fake field goal messed up play, <laughs> whatever that went nowhere so they really didn't stop the run behind the line of scrimmage at all they barely stopped it at the line at all so these guys were getting through they were getting big chunks every single time that's mm-hmm. why i mean what, what was what, fourth and five on that last play mm-hmm. uh when when they motioned out of the like whatever that fake field goal thing was and that was a disaster i don't know what they were doing because on not only is it dumb? Do you take the field goal and go up by five there and force UCLA to get a touchdown? If you're going to go for it, go for it because it's only fourth and five and your running back is averaging almost eight yards per carry. Your second running back is averaging five and a half yards per carry. Your quarterback is converting almost every third down. So just go for it because you're tearing them up. So I, I don't know. I don't know what was going through that coach's mind. Uh, that Fresno State comparison, though, that you bring up. It's so funny how, I mean, I was hearing from people during the game saying the same exact thing, being like, oh, they went down early, bad vibes, horrendous. They're 2-0, and need to finish non-conference play undefeated. And then they come back and it's kind of even for a bit and then they finally pull ahead and then they go behind mm-hmm. again. So even though they're in a big hole early, it turns into a back and forth game, which is better than it was before. Mm-hmm. And then UCLA actually in that game last year, scored with, I think, just under a minute left. Yeah. A touchdown yeah. to Kyle Phillips. Like 45 seconds. It wasn't even a minute. Yeah, like, like 50-whatever. Yeah. Dorian Thompson-Robinson hit, I think it was Kyle Phillips. If not, it was Chase Cota, but I'm pretty sure it was Kyle Phillips for that touchdown. They go ahead. And then the defense just gives up literally everything to Jake Hayner and Fresno State. <laughs> Fresno State goes and scores a touchdown with 20 seconds left, whatever it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
one of the I, I just talked about all these horrible things about the defense. I'm definitely concerned about the offensive line, RB2. There are question marks about this team. Something that I appreciated on Saturday's game was them saying, oh, okay, we had that big game to Titus. We had another trunk play to Titus. We got another first down after that. We're in field goal range. Our kicker's four, he's three for three on the day. Let's just run the clock out. Keegan Jones, take the ball, run it to the left because that's where our kicker likes it. And we're going to finish the game with a 28 yard field goal and not even give them a chance to get the ball back. Because if they kept going and they were going for a touchdown and they got a touchdown, everyone's happy. It's great. You're up by five or, or whatever uh, with a minute 10 left. Mm-hmm. I guarantee that defense would have given up another touchdown and you lose <laughs> the same way you did to Jay Kaner and Fresno City before. So credit to yeah, Chip I, for, I for whatever that was. Credit to DTR for the clock yeah. management. That was an improvement on the disaster of the Fresno State game last yeah, year. And yeah, it was, yeah. it's a uh, credit to them for showing absolutely zero faith in their defense because they should not be showing any faith in their defense at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we talked about this in earlier episodes that, you know, they lost a lot on defense, you know, they mm-hmm. lost a lot of talent, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was transfer portal, whether it's NFL, whether, you know, I mean, they got, they drafted more guys than SC did um, yeah. last year. And that was the first time in forever. So I think that um, when you lose a lot of talent or a lot of talent leaves, it's camaraderie within the group. And so, I think, you know, they're learning how to, you know, be camaraderie because think about it. They, if, if they're like the most in trouble four and O team in, the, in college, you know, they'll be, if they win next week, which they should, they'll be four and O, you know? And it's just a situation you're like, man, you know, like, you know, they'll be four and O and we're talking like this team is in trouble, you know, if they don't sew so, so up this, sew so up that. So, you know, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. I think that, like, the defense is going to really have to shape up, like we talked about, because they're about to go into a different weight class in these next, like, you know, coming weeks. So there's no more South Alabama. I mean, I felt like they played the same team three times in a row. You know, <laughs> Bowling Greens, you know, whatever, South Alabama, South Alabama State or whatever, you know, like, okay, I get it. You, you Cupcakes, you know, <laughs> cupcakes. Yeah, uh, and before we go on to talk about the the road ahead for this team, I, I wanted to kind of chat about uh, some attendance numbers with you, Travis. Because <laughs> yikes, I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's been a big topic of conversation. It was after game one because game yes. one was the the lowest attendance in UCLA football history at at since they moved to the Rose Bowl I mean, I, in the early eighties. Yeah, it. it was a, it was a thousand degrees that day. It was yeah, a yeah, it was it was what hundred five degrees. They're playing Bowling yeah. Green. There were SC was having Lincoln Riley's debut just a couple mm-hmm. hours later uh, down across town. There was Dodgers game that night. Uh, there, people still coming back to learn how to go to games after COVID and everything. Uh, it was an eleven thirty kickoff in the morning. That was bizarre. And then, so, so you know, a bunch of factors build up to that being the lowest attended game in UCLA Rose Bowl history. Mm-hmm. Week two, you got Alabama State. I think it was about 32,000-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was not as low as the 29 or 28, whatever that was in week one. 
and it was not as low as the previous record low, but it became the third lowest in UCLA Rose Bowl history. <laughs> and yeah, it was drizzling, raining a little bit early on in that game. Um, but USC was on the road. The Dodgers weren't in town. Uh, it was not. It was 30 degrees cooler than it was the week before, or 20-whatever degrees cooler. Um, so a bunch of those excuses out the door, and you still have the third lowest attended game ever. This week is now the second lowest attended game ever. <laughs> and it, once again, it was not crazy hot. There was a lot of overcast. It was pretty cloudy. It was pretty pleasant. Um, again, not a great opponent. Yeah, but and yeah, USC is playing across town. But I mean, geez, how if you're really going to try to use that excuse, just admit you're the little brother already. Like, come on, don't even bring bring that up. If you're a UCLA or you're a UCLA fan, don't try to use that as an excuse because it makes you look stupid. Uh, so the three of the four lowest attended games since UCLA moved to the Rose Bowl in the 80s have come in the last three weeks, Travis. <laughs> it's been bad. It's been really bad. There's been a lot of debate about it, how it happened, why it happened. Is it because Chip isn't recruiting? Is it because the team hasn't won over the last 10 years? Uh, what is it? Troy Aikman comes out with a tweet and says it's embarrassing. It's not right. Chip deserves better, he said. Um, that that caught a lot of uh, flack because people are saying, oh, the players deserve better, but does Chip deserve better? He doesn't recruit in high school. He doesn't go to these fan events. He doesn't. Uh, communicate well with the local media. So there's a, there have been some retorts there. And then uh, Kirk Herbstreet sees what what uh, um, what Troy Aikman says. And Kirk Herbstreet says all this stuff about how it's no excuses. It's sad. Troy Aikman's pushing for a 30,000-seat stadium on campus, which is too small and impossible. So there's been a lot of discussion about this, and it's all comes back to nobody wants to go to these games for one reason or another whether Mm -hmm. it's the opponent the weather the time of the game they've all been horribly timed games they got bad slots um i i get it the weather's been too hot or the weather's been too rainy or there's been someone else playing or the teams aren't that good or chip isn't recruiting whatever it is it's a problem that no one wants to go to these games oh look i would say it's all of that what you said you know what the opponent is one because nobody really look if you're they were a fifty point uh favorite in the game fifty points <laughs> you know what I'm saying like hey, hey that was that was their highest attended of the of the three that was when that, they were that's what I'm saying they favorite. were a fifty point <laughs> favorite man Alabama are like forty five and that's <laughs> Alabama you know. The real so, wait, you mean Al- Alabama State or Al- South? Yeah, Alabama, that's what I'm or... saying. Like you know, like look, let me tell the, you. Oh, the I think, real Alabama. <laughs> last year, I went to the football game when they played LSU, and it was packed. Mm-hmm. Right? You know why? Because yeah. they played LSU. The problem is you don't play cupcake opponents unless you know you're in like like say you're in the South because they don't care. They come to the game whoever you play. Right, I think you know Alabama had a hundred thousand people they, on Saturday. They played UL Monroe University, UL Monroe, whatever yep. it was. And so, like, it's different, man. Like, people want to see a game. Like, they want at least want to see a good opponent. Like, if you schedule cupcakes and these, you know, non-conferences, yeah, you'll get wins, but people not coming to that because they already know the outcome. They want to have. It's like going to the movie and knowing the ending. 
You know, like, <laughs> yeah, who really yeah, wants I get that. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's this movie suspense, but I know the killer is going to kill the good guy or whatever the case. Like, it's, I don't want to see that. Yeah, so, I, I think because they play in Pasadena, which is yeah, that's uh, one about that's one, an yeah. hour, give or take fifteen yeah, minutes from, UC, yep, from UCLA yep. from campus, yeah. depending on traffic. Yep, you're never, ever, ever, ever going to get consistently great attendance. Agreed. At UCLA football games, you can have stretches, you like like the peak moments in that Jim Mora era, where where people were coming out. I was there. They were winning. 97? Yeah, like, that, that they was were, that they was were number four in the they country. Were, Jay, Kay yeah, Kay McNown, yeah. Kay McNown, Sean Foster was was just coming up, freshman, yeah. sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they go into Rose Bowls still. They aren't doing that anymore, and they haven't in twenty plus years. The stadium's far away from campus. The culture has changed. The fan base has changed. Student bodies changed. Where yeah, yeah. I just don't think they'll ever be a well attended event for anything more than one offs. If it's the well, LSU game. If it's yeah. the SC game, if it's that Oregon game when College Game Day was in town, they'll get good numbers. And they're putting these tarps up to make it look better on TV. And I understand that because they're never going to fill a 100,000 seat stadium consistently. So whatever, put those tarps up, take the, the capacity down and make it look better on TV. I get it. But it's going to be spotty, bad, gross looking attendance unless you, know you have those big events. Yeah. You know why, Sam? Because. Yeah. The competition. Like when I was there, they were UCLA, right? They were good. But guess who they were playing? They played, uh, they, I remember back to back weeks. They played uh, Peyton Manning in Tennessee. They played uh, Ricky, Ricky Williams in Texas, you know? Like you got to play a team uh, like these, you know, like you got to schedule like a team with a fan base. And T, like when I was there with the LSU game, like you said, it was a one off game. But guess what? LSU brings people. And bring people, bring people. So everybody wanted to go, and so like you have to. You're not UCLA is not like predominantly football school where, no matter what happens, they you know they're going to bring a crowd. It's not like that. It's not an Alabama or a Georgia or Clemson or you know Michigan or whatever. Like you have to really push yourself as a school and challenge yourself. And look, you might lose. You know, but you have to bring these LSUs, these big schools. And otherwise, you're going to see like tarped because, oh, yeah, because they're playing Bowling Green in South Alabama. You know, like nobody wants to see that. Yeah, but I mean, you're playing a power five team this week coming up. You're playing Colorado. I, I say, I guess that's in Colorado, but theoretically, let's say Colorado is coming. How many yep. people are coming out for that? Even if it's a bigger brand name and it's a Pac 12 game. Colorado stinks, but it's Colorado. It's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. no, that's the thing. Like if Washington state, Colorado, Oregon state, uh, Arizona are coming to, to UCLA, right. You'll get marginally better numbers than you did for these crap back games. But yeah, I, I'm right. sorry. Well, no one's really going to care. You know what's going to happen? Unless it's SC or a major flagship non-conference game. But that's why. And that's the reason why, why one of the reasons why they went to the big 10. Yeah. Imagine, uh, imagine totally. the number. Imagine the numbers that Michigan's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is going to bring, right? Even Wisconsin, you know, like those kind of teams. Penn State, they're going to bring numbers, people. It's going to be insane. Why? So, like in whatever is it, two two years or you know whatever. Yeah. Wait till you see. There won't be no tarp. I guarantee it. When Ohio State mm-hmm. comes and Michigan comes, 
Wisconsin, they won't beat on tarp. They will I all those pieces be filled. I don't know, Travis. We we talked about it, I think, in the leading up to this season, how this is really this is it for, for UCLA. This is it for Chip Kelly. You need to win this season because next yeah, season yeah. you're gonna lose a lot. You could be a three and nineteen next season. That's true. Honestly, that's true. And if you go three and nine next season, and then you go into the Big Ten, and you're on a first year head coach getting walloped by these better programs, and you have back to back rough years, who knows? You can grow and be a better program. But I mean, come on, no fair weather loose fan of ucla is going to be like oh yeah that team that j- just gets beat up and and sucks because people have short attention spans they're sure. like oh what have what have you done for me lately the past two seasons oh you were bad in 2023 you're bad in 2024 even if they're good in 2025 how many people are really going to show up you'll get visiting fans you'll get michigan fans that, who come that's, out what the Rose Bowl. that's what i mean that's what i mean i get it that's but like that's that's eight games that's nine games whatever or, or i mean that's in the conference schedule you're playing i don't know maybe four of those conference games at home yeah yeah and then who knows what you're not what your non-conference looks like at that point um it, i know it's still pretty soft coming up these next couple of years not a lot of headliners to get to some games against georgia wisconsin and who knows what those are going to look like because Wisconsin is going to be a conference game. So who do you reschedule there? Is there going to be structure? Do you have to schedule X number of power fives teams? Are you going to have partnership deals? So you play Stanford and Cal every year. How's that going to look? That There's a lot of factors that go into it. But if UCLA loses a lot in 23 and 24, which at this point it looks like they most likely will, who's going to show up in those years? Who's going to show up in 2025? The, these fans need winning. They need this team to be in the headlines. They need this team to be relevant and pushed on them and talked about, or else they're just not going to care. They're, it's going to be in the back of their mind. They'll see the little schedule thing, the little flags and schedules up on campus on the light posts and be like, oh, yeah, I guess it was a game this weekend. But nah, I don't know. My friend was telling me it sucks. Maybe I'll, I'll go to my frat's tailgate and then drive home after that. Yeah, like, no one yeah. cares. The, yeah. I, I'm telling you, as someone who was a student recently, <laughs> there, there are diehards. There are people yeah. who are in the den and the den operations, and the, some people who are just big fans and will line up early and go to these games. But it's not a lot of people, and right. I'm t- it, it, it grows beyond that when you go to the greater alumni base and LA and West LA, Santa Monica, Westwood, all these people who are in the area. If UCLA is winning and if they're relevant and they're on ESPN and people are talking about them, they'll go. Maybe not in giant numbers, but if they're going to lose, which they most likely will a lot these <laughs> next few years, that's going to set them back a lot. So yeah. is there a solution to this? No, oh. there's not. Other than win, because unlike what Troy Aikman wants, they're not going to get a stadium built on campus. Um, no, no, it, no, no, no. It's, it's always under construction as it is. Yeah, not under gonna... construction like always. That's yes, under construction like. like always, man. Uh, Yeah, so the solution is win. And the way that they have run the program these past few years, 23 and 24 are going to be really rough years, and I don't think they're going to win a lot. We've seen attendance is bad this year. Attendance probably won't be good the next two years, and the next years after that, there's going to be a stink around this team that I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who want to go after that. So no, no. it's a really rough problem with not a lot of clear solutions or anything even well, approaching those. Well, they're, what they're going to do, when, like I told you, we already talked about this already. Jim Kelly is a lame duck, right? So he'll coach this year. He'll mm-hmm. win. He'll coach next year. He'll lose. And then they'll fire him before they go to the Big Ten because they want to sell the fans hope. 
Yeah. So, yep. Um, it's going to take that whoever that new coach is in 2024. Yeah, hey, Herm, uh, Herm Edwards is uh he's he's not you know busy anymore. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, if if you're you looking know, for another NFL washout. Right? You know, so <laughs> like it's going to be something like that. They're going to have to try to sell hope going into the Big 10. Mm-hmm. Um so it's going to be yeah, it's going to be it's going to be rough these next 2 years, period, because one, they don't they didn't schedule anybody. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm as... really excited for that Coastal Carolina game next exactly. year. Exactly. They didn't schedule more Sunbelt, baby. More Sunbelt. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So <laughs> the problem is either you do, you you schedule a great team, or you know, as he says, a great team, a good team that brings a fan base, or you um, you you got to win in a, in a different fashion. You know, selling you're selling something. Like, you know, Texas isn't where they want to be. But guess what? They're selling hope for the future. You oh, know, yeah. They're, they're recruiting it, it, well. If there were half as many segments on SportsCenter, First Take, or Scanning, Skip and Shannon, whatever, about Chip Kelly as there are about Steve Sarkeesian, there would be a lot more people going to games. But the thing is, no one talks about this team. No one cares about this team. Naturally, this team is irrelevant. They will become relevant once they go to 5-0, and 6-0, and whatever. If they're ranked, I get it. But the way their schedule is gone, the, the way this program is run in terms of uh, its outreach, its recruiting, its juice, there's nothing. It's dead in the water. <laughs> so it can be revived. We'll see. Who knows? But it, when when these fans don't hear their program talked about, talked a lot they about, they, they, they and, and they about don't hear it talked about positively, mm-hmm. they're just going to forget about it. Yeah. That, the, that's how it is. When this is true, when... Lincoln Riley, obviously the best young coach in college football, right? Mm-hmm. Went to UC USC. It changed the narrative of everything, you know, because SC, look, UCLA was here, and SC was here, you know, uh, for the last couple of years, right? It wasn't like it was like a one year one off where, you know, where Clay Helton was at SC, SC was below, even though they had maybe better attendance, they were below UCLA. Yeah, ever since Sam Darnold. So from like 18 to 21, UCLA was was in a yeah, much better yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah actually, mean, and, and that's with UCLA sucking, honestly. So yeah, yeah, that's, USC that's may have saying. had a better record, but like the juice, the the feeling, and they were pretty yeah. even record-wise, and UCLA had reason to say they had a better stretch over that time. Yeah, they did. And like I said, you, you said, like take away the two Sam Darnold years, because he was carrying SC to these, you know, uh, to the to the winning teams. It would take out those two years of of all of Clay Helton's years. UCLA was better, clear point blank, right? But what happens now is that when you get a young coach who's won a lot and changes the narrative of the whole situation, now every single big California kid is none of them's going to UCLA, all of them's mm-hmm. going to SC, and that they can recruit out of state because guess what? We just brought in, I saw it on stat, like they brought in 20 starters that are transfers. And, you know, and these are like Alabama, Auburn, you know, the Blitnikoff winner from Pittsburgh. And like, he's, well, he's, well, I think you, UCLA brought in 20 starters where, yeah. where USC but, brought in 16 but the guys oh. they're bringing in, UCLA is bringing in their starters from Wyoming and Harvard, and yeah. USC is bringing them in <laughs> yeah. from Oklahoma and out Al- and, yeah, and yeah, Pitt. Yeah. There's and different Alabama levels. There's different Oregon levels. And, yeah, yeah, and and that's nothing against the transfers who are at UCLA. Is Easy Hearn, Gary Smith, the 
Uh, Jake They're Bobo. good. They're good players. But yeah, Zach Charbonnet. He's might be their well, best he, player. He, he, and he's a transfer. It's yeah, nothing. It, but uh, I don't know. A lot of people, myself included, who have criticized Chip for the, the transfer focus these past few years. It's not about the guys they bring in. It's about the 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 allocation of resources and time. Oh, God, yes. Of yes. saying, of relying too much future. on a transfer portal. You need freshmen. And sometimes that means actually recruiting freshmen and offering yeah. freshmen and earning commitments. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that mm-hmm. means if you're going into a rebuilding era, go heavier on freshmen and lighter on these, these plug-and-play transfers because, yeah, if you're chip and you want to keep your job, I get it. But I don't know. It, it feels like some of these guys who are like, marginally above average starters with one year of eligibility left. I would rather have a four star freshman who can grow and maybe Mm -hmm. in three years, be one of the best defensive tackles in the pac 12 or whatever it is. Uh, The, the player development focus, the recruiting focus isn't really there, but that's Mm -hmm. a topic for another time. Oh, Uh, no, no, it is. uh, is. I, I think let's, let's run through. So we said, like you were saying earlier, like eight to 10 wins this, this year was, was the goal. Yeah. Yeah. We said, um, we said like 10, 10 is high. Yeah. Eight, eight even is, eight, 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 he should get eight without even blinking. Yeah. And and even if they, if he gets eight, I personally would say he deserves to be fired because it's a step back from last year with an easier schedule. And that's, it's not great. Um, <laughs> you are on that. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but so let's, let's run through the UCLA three and no in non-conference play. Pretty yep. much everyone had them there. Yeah. Pac-12 play starting this week at Colorado. Win. At Colorado's a win. FPI, ESPN has 86% chance of winning. Yeah. So yeah. Washington at home on a Friday night. It's a possible win, but I don't know. Like if Washington plays like I said, they play against Michigan State, that's a loss. Yeah. I I agree right now. I, I'm pretty confidently saying it's a loss. And that could change. Yeah, <laughs> but like if if you're if they're playing tomorrow night, who am I picking? I'm picking I'm picking Washington. ESPN's FBI yeah. has them at 61%. Yeah. So they are we really thought they would be five and zero heading into that Utah game. Now they're four and one. Utah. Loss. Utah has a 71% chance to beat them. Yeah, loss. I don't care if it's at home. UCLA is losing to Utah. They always yeah. do for the last five, six years. <laughs> yeah, they're going to let up forty plus it's, points and lose. It's in Utah, right? It's in Utah, right? No, it's at it's at the Rose Bowl. Oh, week. okay, yeah. okay, okay. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Loss. So there's four and two. That's a one okay. and two start to Pac-12 play. Yes. Oregon. Loss. It's yep. in Oregon, right? It is in Oregon. Yeah, loss. Uh, loss. I, if it weren't for that BYU game, if Oregon. It lost big Georgia, beat up on a small team, and then lost to POIU. Then I'd say, oh, okay, maybe they can pull that off even on the road. But ESPN FPI, 79% chance Oregon wins that. So well, there's your one and three start to pack 12 play. Yeah, because now they're five and three, right? Uh four, wait, four and three? Is it four and three? Or, uh yep. Four no. Yeah, yeah, four and three. Four and three. Four yep. and three. Yeah, yeah. Four and three. Mm-hmm. So so much for that three and a start. Stanford. <laughs> Stanford at home. Ooh, that I, was a pickle. Eh, I I don't think Stanford's very good. I, I think Tanner McKee's all right. He's kind of regressed a little bit this year, kind of a little turnover happy. ESPN has him a 68% chance to win. I, yeah. I'm I'm good with that. USC beat him pretty handily until they Stanford put up some garbage time points. I think UCLA 
beats us. No, they, do you they see like should year. win? Yeah. Let's they, say, it's, okay, it's let's at, say it's at the Rose Bowl. It's other if it was at Stanford, I don't know. I think they got that Stanford monkey off their back a few years ago when they beat him in, in 19. And they, they should have won in 20 if it weren't for weird double overtime play calls and, <laughs> and blown leads at the end. I don't know. They lost to Stanford, I think, 11 years in a row, and then they broke that, and now I think they have the upper hand. They win that. So Okay, so five and three. Okay. Arizona State is one and two. They just lost to who? East Nowheresville or something? Yeah, they yeah. win. Yeah, and then, and then they, fired, and they fired Herm Edwards. So you win. Yeah, win, win. Okay, now you're back to three and three. Impact 12 play. And you're six that three point, overall. Yeah. You're bowl so eligible. And bowl eligible. Um, three and three impact 12 play. Does I mean, we were talking about, are they going to be in the Pac-12 championship game preseason? We were talking about because they got rid of the division thing where they can be two teams from the South, they can be two teams from the North, whatever. We were saying, oh, if they go 10 and two, then maybe depending on tiebreakers and it doesn't matter if they lose to Utah, if they beat USC and then nope. You're three and three. You have three conference losses. I don't see you making the conference championship game. Arizona. Well, once, once, once you I, I said think, that once they got rid of the the, the conference breakdown, I was uh oh, that doesn't yeah. fare well for UCLA because like you well, said, I, I think can... I think it it depends because it's always the it favors the deeper division. And this year, the deeper division we thought preseason was the South because we didn't think Washington would be very good. Oregon was kind of we were a little unsure. Both of them first year head coaches. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, okay, we know USC is going to be good. We know Utah is going to be good. Pretty sure UCLA is going to be good. So those South teams looked like they would get the benefit in that, but okay, I don't really okay. know. Okay. 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 After that, Arizona at home. I think Arizona win. is a decent team. They're better than they were last year, but that's a win. 76% chance to win that. Yep. Uh, they, play, mm-hmm. they play SC at home. SC has been in, if you look at the AP polls, there are people putting them in the top four. ESPN, uh, they had, there's an ESPN Plus article today saying that right now they're in the college football playoff picture. Who knows what happens in the next two months, but uh, USC is a genuine playoff contender. Mm-hmm. This is the best, most explosive offense in college football since Lincoln Riley had Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. I don't think you win this game. I preseason, I thought, oh, this is gonna be a great game. They're gonna both come in really hot, riding a lot of lot at stake. We you did, know, we did it. say that they're both gonna be like eight and one or nine and one. We did say that. We both said yep. that. Yep, I'm I'm ashamed. Uh, I already feel like I'm horribly <laughs> wrong. Honestly, like, like okay, I think they lose that. Okay, seven and four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cal at the end of the year Friday Win. night. Win. I think this is the one that's a toss-up. I think the other ones are, I can pretty confidently say, win, loss, win, loss. This one, it's a 51% chance they win. It's it's on the road the Friday uh, of Thanksgiving week. There's always that post-SC hangover that they avoided last year because it was at home and it was on a Saturday and, and it was in normal time. And who knows? This is a four, a, this is a, uh, a one thirty game the day after Thanksgiving. It's in Berkeley. Uh, Cal's a pretty good team. They almost beat Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, and yeah. they, they, they beat you. I, st- I still say they pull it out. So they figure out a way. Okay. Okay. So that's eight and four. Yeah. You yeah. said he should get fired if he's eight and four. I did. If Okay. <laughs> if if they're seven and five, do, are, are you on my side? Yeah, 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 yeah. If they're seven and five. 
if they're seven and five and they start out four and oh, yeah, you can't go two and five in the last whatever seven games. Or, yeah, three yeah, three, five, yeah, yeah, three, 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 that's no, three and five. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Wow. So it, it's like I said, most of those are pretty clear. Like they win this, they lose this, they win this. When we were in agreement pretty comfortably. The the prediction yeah. machine machine from the ESPN, uh, the, the computer simulations, whatever, mm-hmm. were all pretty like a oh, 70% win, 70% loss, all pretty black and white. They're gonna be seven and four heading into that Cal game. And if they lose, they're gonna have lost five of their last eight games. They're gonna finish seven and five, a game worse than they were last year. It's a regression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I Chip Kelly is literally going to be coaching for his job the day after Thanksgiving. If he, yeah. yeah. And, and who, knows? In, who knows? Maybe they're playing in a tech mobile, you know, yeah, some may, maybe, maybe Cal's riding high at that point and they see the writing on the wall. You get blown out by USC at home and it's looking all ugly and it's bad. And maybe they fire Chip after that. If you're seven, if you're seven and four, <laughs> thinking, oh, what is this Cal game even going to do for us? We're going to lose if we win. It doesn't do much. We're just going to yeah. be eight and four. The buyouts X Y Z, and they're like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how confident I am that they're going to fire him. But the, the I don't think they are. I see, think they're going to the fire him after next year. Playing out, they may <laughs> not have a choice. There, if come on, who's going to be defending Chip? If they're eight and four, if they're seven and five, no one will. If they're eight and four, equal to where they were last year, finishing That's... the year, what, what is that? Four and five? Or no, sorry. But, but, no, four. four but yeah, four, four and four. four. Yeah. 500. Well, you, go, you go 500 last eight games. Okay. Okay. Let's just say, let's just mm. say, like on the high, say you say UCLA, let's just, I mean, you see, SC is a top. They're right now, they're number seven. Mm-hmm. Let's just say when when UCLA plays them, they're number five in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So they lose to number five in the country. UCLA, say Washington, who's going to be ranked this uh, probably tomorrow, right? Um, I, I just, think they're they're ranked eighteen right now. They, they, they already jumped. Let's up. just say they get to like thirteen when UCLA uh, plays them, right? And then Oregon's going to move way up, right? They're going to go. Uh, yeah, they're they're up to fifteen right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so they went from twenty five to fifteen. Yeah, so they're, if they're if they're losing to top twelve teams in the country, eh, I, I can't really blame them. You know, in those that scenario. Okay. Okay. Counterpoint. USC has a first year coach. Washington has a first year coach. Oregon has a first year coach. <laughs> so if you're UCLA and say, "Oh my God, there are three teams in our conference." That we we were better than SC last year. We were better than Washington yes. last year. We yes. were neck and neck with Oregon last year. Yes. And they replaced their coach and then immediately became top 15 teams that could beat us. So why do we still have this coach? Why don't we? <laughs> they, they've proven okay. that you can succeed with a first-year coach if it's mm-hmm. the right hire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why not say, you know what? Let's go all in. Let's make a home run hire. Let's fire Chip. We're going to go for Kalani Sataki. We're going to go for Matt Campbell. We're going to go for uh, um, what's his face at, at Michigan. Uh, no, sorry, not Michigan, Minnesota. Uh, or, or you go for a, a someone like a um, 
like a Dan Lanning, a, a coordinator at an elite school that's winning a lot. Go get, or, the, go get the coordinator or, from Alabama. Look, I would say yeah. this. The only way like you Bill O'Brien, I don't know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. The only way you um only way you fire chip is if you go after a huge assistant or a new coach and overpay for him. Um like SC did. Nobody knew that Lincoln Riley was gonna come to SC for 10 years, hundred million dollars. He set the market, a new market. Um the only way UCLA does that, they fire Chip Kelly at the end of the year, they have to go big. And I mean big and give somebody, like you said, uh, like the office, like Bill O'Brien from, from Alabama or somebody from, from Georgia and go get them, right? And like Oregon did. Oregon went and got the, the top assistant from Georgia. Now he's the coach. Yeah, and, and Oklahoma got there, the top coordinator from, from Clemson. So the, the only way you're going to do it is if you go big and overpay for the next, you know, because otherwise, I, I mean, who, why it, are you firing Chip Kelly for it to get a retread? Kalen DeBoer, Fresno State coach. He's not a, a home run big name Hollywood hire, and Washington brought him in, and they're top 18 already. They're undefeated. <laughs> they beat you. They're going to be 5-0. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, there are a lot of different paths to go down. I I – I'm not at the point where I'm like, oh, you need to get this guy. You need to get that guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These other programs who have leapt, they've leapfrogged you, have proven that you can have a one-year rebuild if you are in in a good market with good recruiting base. If you're in Seattle and Oregon, you have this Nike money or or this history of winning, and and which UCLA should have and has a lot of that going for it. That's true. So if you are that kind of team that has been struggling. And mediocre and then makes a really good hire you can succeed in year one you can succeed in year two doesn't ucla want to be successful when it arrives in the big 10 yeah of course it does that's why you're saying that they're going to have a new coach by then but i'm yeah. saying they might have a coach a year earlier <laughs> to, to wind well, up for that let me ask you this if they're if they eight and four after the season and then they win the bowl and they're nine and four so they didn't did Back-to-back years of nine-win teams, and they're going to fire last year, the last year was eight. Last year was eight and four. I mean, and yeah, they were probably going to lose. Yeah, yeah I, and, yeah. and they were probably going to lose to NC State because NC State was was a better team. It was. An, it was uh, I forgot. I forgot it was the COVID thing that happened. It's, you yeah. got a coach that just won eight games and let's say nine games, and you're going to fire that coach. I don't know, man. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't think that it would be the decision would be made before the bowl. So just let's think of it as eight games and eight games. And you're thinking, well, they're going to fall off this year. And our recruiting has been horrible for the last three years. So when we get to the Big Ten, we're probably not going to be very good in 24 either. So you have two winning seasons in what would be Chip Kelly's first seven seasons. If they, if they kind of extrapolate and say, we're not going to be a winning team in 2023. When we get to the Big Ten, we're not going to be a winning team in 2024 under Chip Kelly. So okay. you have from 2018 to 2024, seven seasons, two winning seasons, both topping out at eight wins. Why would you want to bring that back when you see that your competitors, your 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 peers in in your conference, in similar markets with similar recruiting bases and similar cultures and similar money and similar relationships to Nike or LA or Hollywood or whatever? can come in and have a first-year coach get 10 wins 
and bring you to a college football playoff or bring you to a Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I don't understand. And this is a lot of guesswork. We're yes. going out two months from now to, to guess where they're going to be. But if they're seven and five, you have to fire him on the spot. If you're eight and four, I understand that you might be hesitant, but you cannot bring him back again because it's only going to get worse and you're going to be stuck in a rut that goes seven years and you barely got to see any light. Well, I understand you have valid points, Sam. <laughs> you have valid points. I can't even knock that. Like, you know, like what, this is start to rebuild earlier. All I'm saying is if, if there's nobody, out there that you can really get what's the point of firing them now you know what i'm saying um like if you can if you have a guy that you have in mind like let's just say for for the quote of this conspiracy theory show uh they got oh, no. <laughs> they got <laughs> the assistant coach they got bill o'brien from alabama they got him all right not, I'm, not I'm that coming. i want another nfl head coach failure but okay you know, well, let's have bill o'brien um <laughs> Whatever, like who's number? Yeah, like yeah, just say somebody from whoever. Yeah, like from I don't, Georgia. I don't know the coordinators. On yeah, yeah, I don't know the coordinators. Well. Let's yeah. just say I'm not that point in the, the coordinator from, yet. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Let's just say the the coordinator from Georgia, right? The new coordinator from Georgia. Say they have a a, a wink wink deal with him. Or like Dave Aranda, the head coach of Baylor, who has there we go. There we go. He's from there SoCal, go. and yeah. yeah. Let's just say him. Like they will, they're going to give him ten years, which is insane. <laughs> for like UCLA, let's just say they give him ten years, a hundred million dollars, kind of the same thing the Lincoln Riley got, but it's between them and, and obviously the school. And then they, you know, like you said, they go seven to five or eight and five, and then they fire Chip. But let's just say you know I need one more year at Baylor, then they might as well keep Chip. You know, what I'm saying the only reason that you would fire Chip this year is if you have that guy already ready to go. Uh, I don't. I mean, I I understand that, but I just don't want to delay it any further. It's <laughs> rip just, the band aid. Rip the band aid. Exactly. Off. You're not. Yeah. Like, would <laughs> I know that you, you wouldn't want to hire the wrong guy? I get it, but uh, I don't know. You don't want to be relying on other guys and just just commit to commit to it. Stick to your guns. Say we're gonna fire him. We're gonna fire him. Don't be like we'll fire him if. Because then it's like, well, are you firing for the right reasons then? Like, no, no, no. The, where the program is, where it will be in two months, that's where you have to judge it off. If, if he's done and you know you can't go any further with him, call it quits, shoot for the moon, do whatever you can on the search. I get it. You're UCLA. Trust your brand. Trust your money. Trust your influence. Trust your, your boosters and your alumni to help you get someone big. Your last hire, you got the cream of the crop. You got the guy everyone wanted and you got Chip Kelly. Did it work out? Uh, no, but you know, <laughs> it was still the biggest name out there. You found you you caught the biggest fish. Who's to say you can't do that again? And maybe this time it works out. I, I just don't want to go through seven years of just not very good football with Chip Kelly and have two of those years stick out as, oh, well, at least they got eight wins. It's just, come on, got to aim higher. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, like I said, if, if Sam was the uh, AD, he'd be like, let's rip the Band-Aid off, fire him <laughs> this year. You know, oh, even yeah. if they go nine and four, you know? Yeah, if they um, get nine regular season wins, I understand you can't fire them. I, I still have my similar thoughts about where they'd be in the seven-year plan, but I understand why you can't fire them if they go nine yeah. and three and you have a chance to get 10th win in a bowl. 
I get it. I understand. But the way that they've played so far and where I think they're going to go and how the pack is shaping up, I just, this is going to be a really well, is, pivotal, yeah. th- those yeah. last few weeks yeah. for Chip yeah. Kelly's yeah. future. Yeah. The thing about it is, like you said, like, like the, the thing, the SC doesn't have to play Oregon or Washington, and UCLA has to play both along with Utah and SC. Uh, we're going to see what Chip Kelly and UCLA football is about this year. We're going to see if you're going to, if you know, if he's that good of a coach and, you know, Thompson and, 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 and you know, all the players they got, we'll see how good they are as a team because this year, uh, especially this year so far, now I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but this year so far, they are going to be tested and they're going to be tested big coming down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. If if they can rise to that occasion, that's huge. Yeah. And, and all the credit to them. We'll mm-hmm. see if they're able to do it. I know, Travis, I, th- I think I said earlier we might bring up basketball things, but uh, I don't know. I've burned so many brain cells yeah, talking about yeah, these yeah, theoretical we Chip that. Kelly we situations. Can, we we'll talk about that, that next week. I assume yeah. next next week will be a very uninteresting win over Colorado. You can book yes. that now. And then I'm sure we'll have some time to talk a little basketball, recruiting, mm-hmm. scheduling, who's showing up on campus, the new guys, whatever. Um, so with that, that's, that's it for this, this week's episode of believe in UCLA. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Like I was saying earlier, uh, make sure to just like the, the, the stream, uh, like, like the feed, turn on notifications. We'll be back, uh, talking UCLA football from now on and UCLA basketball with that getting started up. So keep an eye out for those Travis. Thank you so much for joining me again today. And, uh, where can people find you and your work online? Pretty much they can find me at Travis W. Reed on Instagram. That's R-E-E-D, first name Travis and middle name uh, W. Uh, And find me on Facebook, uh, Travis W. Reed on Facebook. But that's all, uh, like, name-wise. At Instagram, obviously, it's all together. Um, I post all my social media on those uh, sites, you know, from different shows to actually having merchandise that you can purchase uh, feel free to, you know, inst- you know, message me for that too, but find me on those websites. Sounds good. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan, or you can head on over to allbruins.com to check out sports Illustrated's info on UCLA, all the news, all the videos, all the analysis. I'm the publisher and managing editor over there for sports illustrated and fan nation. So make sure to check all that out. And this pod will be up there too. Mm-hmm. So, Travis, thanks so much for joining me, and we will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.